bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other Hello and welcome to episode 137 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and this episode we are focusing on gut health, specifically in relation to COVID-19. This episode I have returning returning guest Natalie Woodman with me. She is has become a beautiful friend of mine. She was featured on episode 14 of this podcast and episode 90. This is her third time on the show. Episode 14, I would recommend you going back and listening to it before, probably before listening to this episode, because in that episode, she really talks and really pulls apart the gut microbiome and how it functions. She does it more in depth in this episode, but that one I really found that it was the analogies that she uses and the way that she spoke about it really helped give me so much clarity and a deeper understanding to move on to this episode where it's a bit, I think we both kind of assumed you've been listening for a while and you know a fair bit already. But if you're new, go back and listen to episode 14 first and then come back and listen to episode 137. In this episode, we are talking about nurturing our microbiomes, which is responsible for between 70 to 80% of our immune function. We want that to be working as optimally as it can be during this time where we're all more fearful and wanting to stay as healthy as possible during this pandemic that we're experiencing right now. And I couldn't think of a better person to have on the show in relation to giving us some ideas and recommendation and information about things that maybe we think might be a good idea, like such such as certain supplements or adding in things like bone broths or making the switch to a carnivore diet or whatever it is for you, whatever fad thing you're noticing come up in your newsfeed. I just wanted Natalie to debunk a lot of that and, you know, demystify a lot of that and give us some doable strategies to employ throughout this time for ourselves, for our families to protect us as much as possible from the potential severity that can be COVID-19. So without further ado, I guess I'm just going to start Natalie off because she, she is all guns blazing when she starts. And I love that she's so passionate. She is my rain woman of gut health and I have done her programs numerous times. So if you would like to work with Natalie before we get started, I just will mention that you can find her at www.nataliewoodman.com. She is releasing a series of her incredible recipes as ebooks soon. So definitely head over to that website or like her on Facebook so that you're keeping you kept updated when for when those books come out because yeah she's such a great cook and her recipes are fantastic i highly recommend also yeah no just go to www.nataliewoodman.com and that link to that website will be in the show notes for you to check out if you just wanted to jump straight there you click on the link that you've jumped into this podcast 
from, whether it's on Spotify or whether it's on iTunes or wherever, and you'll get taken to the show notes and you can then find Natalie's website there. That's all from me. Enjoy Natalie's episode. Thanks for listening. Hello, Natalie, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Welcome back to the show. Sorry. Yeah, back. Third time. I know. Third time's a charm. Well, this probably is a good charm this time for hearing about this information. It comes at a very good time. Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show because, as I said to you before we started recording, I see a lot of people... And, I, and I've been guilty of it too, talking about a plant, how a plant-based diet can help boost boost our immune system, boost in inverted in quotation marks, yeah. boost our immune systems. And other people saying, you know, you can't boost an immune system. And I just keep kind of thinking, oh, well, it's just semantics because we know that a healthy gut microbiome can do so much for preventing and reversing chronic illness and preventing even the common cold and flu in many for many people and I just thought I would like you to come on the show and just give us all your wealth of information if you've listened to Natalie's previous episodes there it's episode 14 and episode 90 90 yeah of the show and she you are someone who I just think of default think of whenever I think about gut microbiome or I want information about gut health you're so knowledgeable and I really wanted you on the show to talk to because people are scared and rightfully so it is a really frightening time but there are things there are ways that not not, now I'm not claiming any expertise about COVID-19 because I'm not an expert in that virus in this virus but I do think that from all 100 and this is 100 episode 137 of this podcast all the information that we've received, we can be forgiven to assume, for assuming that a healthy gut microbiome. We've seen it. We've seen it benefit heart disease, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, arthritis, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, fibroids. We've seen it be beneficial to so many things as a preventative as well. And so I just think if you want to put some eggs in a basket, put some eggs in your basket that are whole plant foods and <laughs> not eggs <laughs> yeah that's right yeah 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 well i well so you 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 are right there i mean and i think after so many episodes you and talking to so many experts you can certainly uh there's there's a very distinct correlation and there is also the research that backs up a healthy gut microbiome and it's ability to uh interact and modulate the immune system and so when you said the word boost, and, and, and I'm sort of uh, very, uh, I don't like using the word boost, even though I do say it sometimes, um, because boost is one of those words like superfoods. You know, it, it puts things into a box and it, and it generally then revolves around a product. So, oh, get these medicinal mushrooms, they'll boost, or use these herbs, they'll boost. Use, you know, it's like a superfood, whereas an apple and a banana, uh, a, I mean, they're all superfoods to me. They're all just all the natural foods. So the, the problem with saying with Boost is I think it veers people into... Thinking that they need some Garcinia Cambogia for $70 a container. Yeah, huge yeah. bowl of which you don't need. And another thing is, is that we actually don't want to boost an immune system. We want to modulate the immune system. So we want to support it to allow it to do what it wants to do. So it's like a runner. 
we don't want to boost them. We don't want to put like, um, you know, those things that you used to see in the Jetsons, you know, those boots that they fire off and go through and all the rest of it because it's too fast and they can hurt themselves. We want to be able to support them so that they can run the marathon or run the, the distance well and come out the other side well. So they're the sorts of things that we want we want to be able to do. Now, we don't want an underactive. So we don't want an overactive. Overactive has been involved with things like autoimmune diseases, um, SLE, inflammatory bowel disease. We don't want overactive. We don't want underactive because underactive, and that's often the case with babies um, and young children. So up until the age of three, the first thousand days are where we develop our gut microbiome. So they're sort of underdeveloped. So what we call them is it's slightly underactive. It hasn't really developed yet. And the elderly, where they have, with diet and lifestyle over the years, their immune system is not as active. So if we don't want underactive and we don't want overactive. We're trying to modulate in between. So I suppose one of the words that I don't like is in, in boost is that it gives people a false sense that I'm just going to do something. And, and I've had a lot of calls in the last week. I mean, as you know, I, you know, I run a program and it's not just about actually giving you all the tools and, and fixing it with diet and lifestyle and all the rest of it. The majority of it is about education. And I've had people, you know, uh, give me a call because I do, you know, a comp call and they've said, what can I do to boost? And I said, look, what you're trying to do essentially by saying these words about do I have mushrooms, do I have more of this, what do I put more in, is what you're saying is that you've never put a pair of sneakers on in your life. You've never gone out for a walk. You couldn't be bothered. All of a sudden, you want to be an Olympic athlete. You want to know what's going to take you from zero to the perfect immune system overnight. And it doesn't work that way. It's time. Most of us don't want to put in that time because it's like, oh, it all seems too hard and all the rest of it. But there is no other way through it. There is no other way through it. Anyone that's listening, if you think that, you know, Look, you've got to start somewhere, but if you think you're going to go from zero to 100 overnight, it took you years to get to this state. No one got to an unhealthy state overnight. We didn't all just wake up and go, oh, my God, I'm 50 kilos overweight or I, my back's or this or, or I'm you know, covered with eczema. These things just don't happen overnight. They, they, they're over years and we either are not conscious or aware of it because we don't want to look or we're too busy or whatever. So to think that we're going to get over them overnight is another thing. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't start somewhere. So what I'm, I'm trying to say to people is, okay, make the start, but you don't. You, if you have an expectation of going to zero to, you know, of never having put on a pair of sneakers to an Olympic athlete overnight, you're, you're delusional. So, look, let me just briefly, so maybe some people haven't listened before, but basically let's have a little sort of a little kind of mini science lesson of how the body works. So the body is like a house, okay? So a house, you've got the brick walls and the roof and all the rest of it, but it doesn't stand up on its own. It has a foundation, okay? Without the foundation... It just can't be built. If you put the, those bricks and tiles on top of sand or whatever, it would just fall over. So it has a foundation. And the body has that same foundation called the microbiome. So while we are a collection of, of cells, we the microbiome actually outnumbers our, our cells in our body by 100 to 1. So there's like 110 trillion microbiome cells, bacterial cells, and only 10 trillion human cells. There's 22,000 human DNA, human genes. There's in excess of 3 million 
bacterial genes that express disease on and off. Okay, so it is the foundation of your house, your body, which is your house, and you need to look after it because when it starts to crumble, you crumble. And when it starts, when it's strong and robust, you are strong and robust. So most of them live in the large intestine, so that's right down the very bottom if you sort of touch your belly, right down the very bottom, I suppose, if you've got ovaries around there. So that's all where your large intestine is. And it's and within the gastrointestinal tract. And the gastrointestinal tract, if you want to get an idea of how big it is, it's about if you laid it out, if you've got the you know, every tube and laid it out flat. It's about 400 metres squared, which is like about 100, uh, I think it's about 100, uh, four, oh, yeah, about 1,300 feet for people in the Northern Hemisphere. So it's absolutely massive. So it's like the Port Arthur historic site or um, Centrefield in Houston's ballpark. That's the size of it. It's absolutely massive. And what we know is that this microbiome actually creates the innate and active immune system that as we grow up and it plays a major role in our what we call immunostasis so the basically we say homeostasis is keeping our body in balance immunostasis again we're talking about modulating it so that it's active not too active not underactive and that's what the gut microbiome does now What's really important is, is that while we know that a dysfunctional microbiome, so a dysfunctional foundation of your house, a dysfunctional microbiome makes you more susceptible to infections, allergies, um, being hypersensitive, uh, chronic inflammation and autoimmune conditions and even cancer. There was a really interesting study, and again, I'm not an expert on COVID-19. I don't think really anyone is. Everyone's like clamoring to learn as much as they can about this disease. But there was a recent study published just in February of this year titled 2019 Novel Infection, Coronavirus Infection and Gastrointestinal Tract, which obviously, you know, sparked my interest. And... While it revealed that the main clinical manifestations of COVID are like the fever, cough, etc., a significant um, proportion of patients actually presented initially with atypical gastrointestinal symptoms. So, the, again, the gastrointestinal tract, it's, it's really a sign and a symptom. When people sort of go, oh, yeah, I'm always bloated or belching or got cravings or food sitting in my stomach or diarrhea or constipation or whatever. That's your body's way of saying, uh, hang on, pay attention, uh, hey, you know, it, it's your way of saying. But we, we've normalised those things now. Oh, well, I'm, I've got, I'm always bloated, but my friends are always bloated. I've always got a constipation. I mean, I hear people say to me, I say, I don't actually say um, about, I don't give them a clue about how, reg, you know, uh, regularity. I often say to people, how regular are you? And they say to me, oh, very regular. I said, oh, fantastic. What does regular mean to you? Because that's the difference between happy, sad, etc. And they say probably about twice a week. And I just go, oh, my God, because regular is two to three times a day. Having, having a, a poo is akin to having, like in the old days where you had a cigarette after an orgasm. I mean, it's... <laughs> It was, it's one of those things, it's one of the life-changing and it's it's a clearing, it shows things are working, it's a really good sign, you know. Um, 
not that I, I mean, I did smoke a bit in my twenties, <laughs> but I soon learned that wasn't a good idea. Um, so what we said is the research revealed that an altered gut microbial composition has a link to COVID-19. So what they said was, therefore, we can speculate, because obviously this is speculation now, but as I go into it a bit further, we'll see how that speculation is actually quite linked. They speculated that COVID-19 may, to some extent, be related to the gut microbiome. And it also, while we know that the connection between the lung and the gastrointestinal tract is not completely understand, we do know that the respiratory tract actually houses its own microbiome or its own microbiota, so the singular uh, bacteria. And they've seen that patients with respiratory infections generally have gut dysfunction or secondary gut dysfunction complications, which are more related to a severe clinical course of the disease. And that indicates this gut-lung crosstalk talk. So we talk about the gut-brain axis, the gut-skin axis, and now we're talking about the gut-lung axis. And it's, it is, you know, not that I'm a researcher in any shape or form, but it really is no surprise to me because I've worked with clients with asthma and respiratory conditions and all the rest of it and had amazing um, improvements in those areas based on, improving the gut microbiome so it's yeah so it doesn't sort of make much you know it doesn't surprise me much but if people can think about the immune system like this so I'll just talk about a bit of the immune system and then have the gut so and you know how you know to jump in because you know I'll keep talking it's definitely what you're talking about with signposts earlier and with this with asthma I think for me and many of the guests on this show which is another another reason why I really felt that you would bring a lot of value to this to this subject is that most guests on this show, we talk about that there were things like constipation. Like for me, constipation probably constipation and weight gain were the first signposts for me and then headaches and then chronic pain and then fibromyalgia and then depression, candida and multiple sclerosis were, went along for me. And many of the guests on this show have also had asthma and had their asthma reverse as a result of switching to a, a whole food plant-based diet. So it's definitely, it's, it's an obvious factor that can benefit your health overall when we're talking about gut health and the signs things are, go are going badly. Yeah, and like, like you said, it's just that we're just not, you know, uh, become conscious and aware. And what's happening is that we even, you know, we, we, we have normalised so many conditions now. We've never been sicker as a world population, ever in the history of mankind, have never been sicker with so many diseases and gastrointestinal problems, et cetera. And we have now normalised that. You know, I often get people when I when they come to me and we they fill out a questionnaire and one of the things is, you know, they've got to write their height, their weight and all the rest of it. And I, and I know what their BMI is. And, you know, a lot of them are obese, overweight or obese class one, two or three. And one of the questions is... Um, uh, I, you know, do you think you're obese? And and probably 99% of them say no. And when I talk to them, I say, what's, that's, you know, that is obese, but what do you think is obese? But because we have got people around us that are really obese, we think of ourselves as not 
obese. We think of ourselves as the norm. But if you go and look at we, we on the weekend, I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan, but I am. We had Seinfeld playing, and it was the last episode where they're all in court because they looked by and they'd seen, um, you know, a, a robbery take place, and they were sort of um, they had to go to court because they had the, yeah. the innocent yeah. bystander law or something. And if you look in the court case of this, and this was in the 1990s, right? If you look at everybody in that courtroom, so the actors of that time in the 1990s, that is a normal weight. That was normal. None of us look that way anymore. So our new norm has changed so significantly that it's very easy to look at ourselves and say, I'm fine, because all of these things have been normalised. Gas, you know, really bad flatulence, constipation or diarrhoea, uh, you know, IBS. IBS is just the norm now. So, well, I've got it. My friends have got it. We've all got it. Um, uh, uh, hormonal issues. I, the number of people I see with endometriosis or PCOS or, um, you know, fibroids, as, as it's like, oh, well, the doctor said it's fairly normal. Fairly normal. So what we've done is we've normalised that because when things become so abundant, they become the new norm. And that's what's dangerous here. So our immune system, what we've done is we've actually normalised coughs, colds and and feeling down and getting sick again as normal. But our immune system doesn't work that way. Our immune system, and when we do these things over and over, we actually weaken it and create a a, a thing of either overactivity or underactivity, neither of which we want. So your, your immune system has got two arms, one arm, it's like a bouncer at a nightclub. Let's say they change the bouncer every night. That's like the innate immune system. The innate immune system sees somebody, they, you know, they're causing a bit of trouble and they kick them out. But the next night there's a different bouncer, so they don't really recognise it, and it happens over and over and over and over again. So that's how the innate immune system works. It just fights it off every time it hits. But it also activates what we call an adaptive, adaptive immunity, as in a remembering. So what happens is is that it brings in lots of people to help and those people remember. So they're like bouncers that then now have a memory. They all remember and go, hey, I recognise you. You're trouble. You're not coming in here. And that's what actually immunisations are. They're like an adaptive immunity. Now, what we know is that the, the biome, basically, which is I think what a lot of people are calling it the last undiscovered organ, which rightly so the poor little thing has not been given any sort of you know we talk about so many other organs as being important whereas this is the one that underpins everything is what it does is it it teaches the immune system so our bacteria teaches the immune system how to act so it tells you yeah you want to fight that one don't fight that one learn about that one move that one over there instigate this you don't have to get too overactive look they're not really they're just a bit drunk and they're just a bit disorderly so you don't need to get all whoop ass on that person so it it mod see how it modulates it so without going it's like someone comes up drunk to a nightclub the bouncer doesn't have to get all crazy on that person they just sort of escort them off the yeah i'm going to sit you down on the footpath Look, buddy, I'll bring you a cup of coffee. Let's get better. I don't have to get all we'll pass on you. Um, as opposed to someone coming in really disorderly, trying to push through, trying to bake in, you know, maybe even having, you know, um, a, a weapon of some sort, which is really dangerous. So what the microbiome does is it's like management. 
teaching everybody how to act, basically having a protocol. When this happens, do this. When that happens, do this. And it's the microbiome that teaches that immune system how to act. So when we talk about boosting the immune system, we actually really can't boost it. We have we can boost the microbiome. We can work with the microbiome and improve its health so that it has all the tools to properly teach. So it's like having a management system. If you've got the management system of the nightclub, you know, uh, not knowing anything, they've never managed the nightclub or they're sick half the time or they're not doing the job properly, well, then the whole system doesn't work. But if the microbiome has got a really good training program, really good protocols, is really strong and robust, it can teach its people how to act in the face of these people coming in. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so what you're saying is that when I'm trying to think about it, that having a healthy, if you have like a, a, a nightclub that has a management team that are just all new, you've, rec- you've recruited all your friends to do it, but they're unskilled and they don't know what they're doing. That would be akin to having a gut microbiome that's had donuts, cigarettes and you know, bacteria that have lived off nothing but deep fried food for the last 30 years. And they they can't function properly. They don't know what they're doing there. They're letting in all of the, they're teaching the bouncers to just let in whoever and the people come in with weapons. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's right. And then the, the, the immune system starts going, it, it, one day it's overactive, one day it's underactive. And we don't want it to act like that. We don't want to act it sporadically because autoimmune disease is when it starts fighting, turning on itself. It's like friendly fire at war. It's so tired, it doesn't know what it's doing that it starts attacking its own tissues and organs. So we don't want that. We want it very even, very modulated. Everyone knows the same protocol. Everyone knows what to do. And you made you, you said something there that I want to actually just probably um, please clarify. So you said you know people having you know, donuts and cigarettes and all these deep fried foods and all the rest of it. But what it is, it's not just that. It's I was definitely not just the diet and the lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And to those extremes, because what a lot of people do is they say, yes. "Oh, I eat healthy." Okay. And they don't. They're not having fat foods, mm. and they're maybe having a you know, oh, I might have you know, donut every so often. But generally, they're eating salad, the salads quite and well, fish and chicken okay? breasts and the salad roll. Yeah, and... chicken breasts and all the rest of it. But yeah, and the same thing over and over. So the thing about how the gut microbiome works. So this gets on to helping your listeners know what to do. So they're sitting there. So don't buy your mushroom powder or your bloody immune boosting herbs and all the rest of it. Save the money, right? Because they're 40, 50, 60 dollars. They work out to be two dollars a scoop or something. A ridiculous price. You can get two dollars worth of mushrooms and get much better value. So what we want to do is we want to start like I talked about in the beginning, like that you want to become a marathon runner, you want to be robust and healthy and be in the Olympics. Well, you won't get next year to Tokyo, but you might do the next one in the next four or five years. To be able to to do it and 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 do it well, and again, doing it well, not doing it half ass, is about giving the gut microbiome the one thing that it needs, which is fibre. Okay, so what a lot of people make the mistake is is that. Oh well, I have you know, um, you know, chicken and salad or this, or I only I only eat, you know, I don't eat red meat anymore, but I have you know fish once a week or twice a week with different things, etc. 
But those things contain no fibre. They're not giving anything to you, but they certainly are taking a lot away from your overall health with things like the, the, the processing, the hormones, the additives, the way that our, that, that our animals are fed, um, the way that they're treated. All those things impact that quality. So let's put you know, that aside to, for the moment. What people generally do is, I, I talk to people and they, look, they might have porridge every morning, but they have porridge every morning for like a year, or they have these same things over and over again. Now, the gut microbiome, think about it as plants in your garden, little tiny seedlings that are coming up. You've got a row of basil, a row of oregano, um, a row of thyme, and you've got some cos lettuce, you've got carrots, you've got all these plants growing in your garden. Now, Every single one of them requires different things. Some of them like more light, some of them like less light. So you don't want to put it in full sun, it's going to kill it. You don't want no sun, it's going to kill it. Each one of them, some of them like more water, some of them like less water. Some of them need more fertilisation, they need a more acidic soil, some of them need a less of an acidic soil. If you ask a farmer, they'll tell you, oh, look, the wheat needs more nitrogen. The you know the canola needs more potassium in the soil. Or we only we won't we don't want rain at the moment because that's going to ruin the crop. Or we do want rain at the moment. It's got so like those plants in your garden. Your gut microbiome is the same. It requires different types of fiber. So the variety is what is so important. So this is what I tell the kids when the kids saying, you don't want to eat the vegetables or I only yeah. want to eat this type of vegetable. And we're always remembering Natalie <laughs> Woodman's episodes and we remind them that it's the diversity of the vegetables that's going to help their gut microbiome stay strong. And the reason is, and I'll tell people why it's so important, is that what happens is we eat that fibre, and if anyone's juiced, again, here's a bit of an analogy to sort of give you an idea of like, I know I hear people banging on about fibre. What is this bloody fibre? Everyone has juiced at some time in their life. I got rid of my juicer, but it used to sit on the counter. I probably sat on the counter for five years and was used twice. But basically, people have had those juices that you put an apple in or whatever, and you push it down, and you get a cup of juice. And on the side receptacle, there's a big sort of bucket that's got all that mush that's taken out. And we throw that in the bin. We don't use it. I, my chicken won't, wouldn't even eat it. This is years ago. Chicken was like, please, give me a break. I'm not eating that life stick. That is fibre. That's what fibre is. Have a look at it. If you're unsure, that's what fibre is. And what happens is when we eat an apple, we want the fibre. We don't... We, we will get the other nutrients. We want the moisture, the hydration, the vitamins, the minerals and other elements of that apple, proteins, fats, carbs. But the other element is like in that juicer, that, that massive fibrous material. And what that does is it goes through from our stomach right through to the large intestine undigested. And the reason is, is the body was very clever in setting up a system of saying, we will wait. We don't want to digest that. We, we want it to go all the way down to the large intestine where all these little beneficial microbes are sitting. So think about our little seedlings are sitting there and they go, oh, hallelujah, food. So imagine for those seedlings in your garden, their food that helps them grow is sunlight, water and a very nice soil that's got all those vitamins and minerals in the soil. The same thing, these little seedlings 
bacteria that live in our large intestine require food source. So they get this bacteria and they go, oh, thank God. And they all, because there's trillions of them and there's, they've, you know, they've identified thousands and thousands of different types, each one of them likes different types of fiber sources, right? So some of them love the beta glucans in oats and mushrooms and some of them like the soluble fiber, um, some of them like insoluble fiber, the indole-3-carbon, the, the carbol, lots of different types of fiber. And we don't need to get into that now, but understanding that every plant provides different fiber sources. So it takes that fiber, it ferments it, and it produces what we call short-chain fatty acids. These are the miracle workers. It's what they produce uh-huh. that do all the work. So one of the things is one of them, so for example, we're talking about immune system. One of the short-chain fatty acids, which is butyrate, basically modifies the production of immune cells, okay? So it helps the helper T cells get into action. So butyrate, so when you give it fibre, it creates short-chain fatty acid butyrate. Butyrate says, great, I'm going to head around the body. I'm going to promote um, intestinal intestinal barrier integrity. So I'm going to make sure there's no holes along the gastrointestinal tract, that it's in really good working order, that there's no – so think about the, the house. There's going to be no holes between the bricks or whatever. And it limits then the exposure to the, the – the immune response so understanding when you swallow in bacteria a virus a fungal it's hitting that you're a a barrier or a non-barrier and that's what this does so it's helping the immune system not only teach it the right things to do but actually plays a role in immunity and that's why we talk about that the gastrointestinal tract and the gut microbiome regulates 80% plus of your immunity because that's what it does. I was going to say, I know you've mentioned this in your previous episodes, but is this, I don't know if this is what you're you're talking about now or if I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but is this like, for instance, when we're talking about leaky gut, when there's a hole, holes have been created, do the fatty, cha- fatty short chain fatty acids, do they go around patching up those, those holes? Yeah. Ah. So they constantly repair it. So what we have is when we have, like, when we're talking about, so when people have got signs of being overweight or diarrhoea or constipation or, or, or aches and pains or eczema or any sort of thing that's not normal, right, Which let's say, I'll tell everybody, they are not normal. So don't put that up. So what happens is that's a sign of dysbiosis. What means is, is that we have more pathogenic bacteria than good bacteria. Understanding that our garden, our our large intestine houses all these little beneficial bacteria, but it also houses pathogens. So just like your garden where you've got weeds and your other plants, you need to be able to keep it under control. And those weeds love it when we we don't give it the variety, we have too much alcohol, we have poor life, we make poor lifestyle choices, we have antibiotics, we take medications all the time, we eat animal food um, animal foods. And I, I've mentioned on here before that I had my stools tested oh wait, I think it was when Iggy when Iggy was a baby. And this I was plant based, but I hadn't been plant based for very 
fully plant-based for very long and I was still eating a bit of vegan junk food and those kinds of things. I The test result came back and and I know that you did say that the good bacteria are there. They just don't, they're so weak that they don't measure on the, on the testing. But I had zero, zero good That's bacteria right. in my, and gazillion, it felt like gazillions, probably just thousands, but of, of pathogenic bacteria in my microbiome. And I was, you know, I grew up very, very unwell and my diet was very, very poor, but you, I never thought that it would have zero on that reading. Yeah. Yeah. And and the effect of it, you know, and myself, I mean, you know, my history of being before I got into this, I was, you know, I was a high school teacher and, you know, had kids and, you know, probably one too many glasses of wine and God knows what. And like I said, you know, and this is what I want to make it really clear to people because people think that it's just being this unhealthy is the realm of people that eat maccas and have fatty foods and all the rest of it. But it isn't. I ate, I ate what I thought was very healthy couple of pieces of chicken a week, some Greek yogurt with lots of fruit every every day, you know, probably, you know, one or two glasses of uh, wine, you know, probably too many glasses of wine, etc. Um, but stress and all the rest of it, it's all those little things that actually erode it. So it's like your garden. It's not one thing. It's not like a bog. A, a cyclone can come through and ruin your whole garden, but it's generally because you haven't tended to it. It's got too much sun, not enough sun. The tree's grown over too many weeds, etc. That causes it. And and what was really interesting, I did a course last year um, about the microbiome, and we had to get tested, and um, we had to have our you know our poo tested. And and I was actually really quite scared because I sort of thought, oh God, hear me, here's me helping people and banging on about health. I wonder if it's like really hideous, you know. Um, I'll, I'll just be exposed as a you know, as a charlatan. Anyway, uh, at the at the course towards the end, they just sort of said they called my name and said, you know, Natalie Woodman. Um, you know, they were talking about the testing and all the rest of it, and they said Natalie Woodman, and I was like, oh god, here. And they said, and out of all the ones, and there was about four hundred people that had done the course, I was the only one. And understanding, I've been working on this for years, and and I mean, obviously. I'm not like the mechanic in their car. I'm actually the mechanic that's got a good car. Um, I was the only one that had not only a score of 100% of a, of a ridiculously healthy biome, but every single area, so gut integrity, gut function, diversity, richness, whatever, I had 100%. Now, I am bragging a bit. Yeah, you should be. You should be. I would be. If I got 100%, I'd be so bragging. <laughs> I was like, and, and a little dance. But it took, but so to me, I became an Olympic athlete, but it didn't happen overnight. So people said, oh, what are you doing? Yes, you've been working on this for a long time. It didn't happen overnight. So one of the things that you've got to understand is you need to start. You're not going to get a six pack of abs just by doing it for, you know, four weeks and then stopping it. These things are continual. So what I would, you know, like ask your listeners to do is, just start introducing that variety because the, the variety is what's so important. So even if you can't think about, you know, getting rid of certain things, is making sure that the variety of plant matter starts coming on. So trying new plants like bok choy and yeah. rambutan and <laughs> random things. Yeah, that's right. Well, I had porridge this morning, but I'm going to have – I'm going to have porridge today and we're going to put a banana and some hemp seeds and a bit of coconut yogurt on top. But then late and then tomorrow I'm going to have some muesli and then I might have a smoothie and then I'm going to have the 
porridge again, but this time I'm going to put on some grated apple and some um, almonds and lots of different things because it's the production, it's those different fibre sources that make such a huge difference. Now, this is not the, this is not the same treatment. We're, we're talking about we're not going to overnight reverse a condition or whatever those things. There's a particular strategy to do that that's like someone coming to me to saying yeah I've got a broken leg but can you just sort of give me a few tips that will help it that doesn't work that way that that broken leg needs a particular strategy it needs to put in a cast it needs to be immobilized it needs to be not dancing not walking not doing any of those things and it needs to be specific exercises and help to be able to repair it so they're different things but like you said going back before is that the introduction of those different types of fibre sources start repairing some of the damage that dysbiosis causes because when you've got more pathogens than good bacteria, what they're about is they secrete a, um, a an inflammatory molecule called lipopolysaccharides and that basically goes out and eats like little holes out of your, out of the epithelial barrier so like your gut barrier and that's what we get the term leaky gut it's called gastro hyperpermeability but leaky gut it's much easier and, and I think leaky gut paints a much better picture of what it looks like so those pathogenic bacteria and go so think about think about like this when we talk about the house and the gut microbiome and the foundation now let's say that we have got a hundred good guys, a hundred beneficial bacteria, and we've only got ten pathogenic bacteria. That's fine. That's a really good ratio. And every day, that pathogenic bacteria, because it's just trouble, it's got a little uh, hammer and a chisel, and it's putting little holes in your brickwork in the mortar. But that's okay because we've got a hundred good guys that are there plastering it up. They're producing, they go in there, they get fed all that fibre and they go, well, we're fine, we're strong, we're healthy. It's a natural part of the body. Cells are always getting damaged and dying. The, the, the barrier is always sort of getting always by outside bacterial viruses or fungi. It's always getting challenged. But that's okay because you're feeding us and we're going there and we repair it. Now, let's twist that when we've got dysbiosis and we've got 100 pathogens and only 10 good bacteria. We've got a hundred of those pathogens with a chisel and a hammer putting holes all in that brick wall in the mortar. But there's only 10 guys that can fix it. They can't keep up. They can't keep ahead of it. So we are more and more constantly exposed. And, and one of the myths is, is that food can go across this barrier, which it can't. So that's a myth. Food can't go across the barrier. It's too big. Even if it's broken down, it can't pass over. I think I've shared that as a, as a falsity before. I apologise to everyone. <laughs> That's okay. What, what actually can pass over is bacteria, fungi, viruses that are super, super, super tiny. It's like bed mites in our bed. You, you can't, they're there. Trust me, they're there. You can't see them. Even if you've got a magnifying glass or a home chemistry magnifying set, you can't see them, but they're there. And our bacteria and bact uh, fungi are really, really tiny. So they can cross over the, in the barrier. They go into our bloodstream. The immune system goes, holy shit, and starts working. But guess what? It's like the bouncers at the nightclub. 
They don't know what to do. There's not enough of them. They're changing shifts all the time. I don't know. Is that one that's been here before? I don't know. Is that trouble? No, I'm going to get all whoop-ass on him and I'm going to be over-inflammatory and I'm going to be, oh, well, that guy with the, the the knife and you know that's going crazy. He doesn't look too bad. I'll let him pass through and I'll deal with this. So in this instance, would this be why how trying to nurture and support our gut microbiome and and increase the strength and amount of good healthy bacteria? Would this be in relation to COVID nineteen? Would this be what you're talking about as far as then? They won't be an out-of-control management system and they'll be less likely to let those knife-wielding COVID virus through those holes in the wall. Is that Does that make sense? Absolutely. So that we know. So, you know, COVID-19 is a, a virus and we've got the rhinovirus and coronavirus and they the, this COVID-19 is particularly virulent. So let, let's talk about a flu on steroids. Now, the more robust your gut microbiome is, the more able it is to host an immune response that is in line with fighting it. So you, that's why you'll maybe get some people that are asymptomatic or people that don't suffer. But if you look at what's being affected here, who's, what is the part of our population that is being affected by the COVID-19? The elderly. The biggest one is the elderly, and then we're also getting people that are have got um, comorbidities with diabetes or asthma, or, you know, like emphysema, respiratory uh, infections, etc., um, respiratory conditions. And the reason is is that, especially with the elderly, they've got a, a, a weakened immune response because their gut microbiome. Think about years and years and years. Most people have not eaten the variety of plant food. Most people have drunk too much and have eaten too many. Um, uh, foods that are not that don't contain fiber. You know, people go, oh, but I only have meat a couple of times a week. But you're not just, you know. I say to people, it's, and you know that, you know, like I've said to you before, I'm 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 not a vegan because mine is about the health aspect of an animal. So when you, if you have an animal, that animal, how is it being treated? What is it being fed? That's what you're ingesting. You're, you know, forget about the lump of meat that's there. Think about the life, what it was fed, what it was given, how quickly it was raised, the, the supplements, the antibiotics, the hormones, all those things. That along with the meat is what the danger is. Not just that meat alone, it's all those other things. So mine comes from a very much a health aspect and also the health of that that animal. I mean, you can't you can't torture an animal and go, oh yeah, that probably not affected it. We know as humans, animals are alike. They are exactly the same. That when they are under extreme stress, they release cortisol. Cortisol basically uh, basically poisons the meat. It's inflammatory. So and people are consuming this. What you think an animal's just walking in and going, oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah, put a gun, put a bullet in my head, or do that. Yeah, I'm not. I've just seen my mother killed, but that's not going to phase me. I'm not even stressed. But it, we, you know, that's that's delusional to think that way. All those things affect that, and then, and then again, what we eat. I mean, even we know. I mean, Australia's been in drought for years, and if we look in places in America and even in 
you know, uh, the EU and London, where we just don't have the land to raise cattle the way we do. They're, they're sitting there and they're just eating out of big troughs full of just dry lupin and hay. One of my friends, is, her, parent, her father was a truck, is a truck driver and he used to literally deliver like disfigured or old candy, candy to farms for cattle to eat and pigs. They would just be fed on candy. I don't know why I'm saying candy. We had lollies here, lollies, candy in America. Whole heaps of cows get fed just left. I, I had people who got fed. The bakeries would offload their mouldy bread on these farm animals, like mouldy bread, and just be like, ah, oh, they'll eat it. Mouldy bread and lollies for these animals. Well, I think one of the most concerning things for me that just this, this blew my mind, and it was going through. Um, the Meat Association here, and I saw something and I was trying to access a, a, a paper that they put out to their people and I couldn't get it and finally I got it. And what it was was it talked about that the fact that with the drought and all the rest of them they were giving more of these grains and hay and that was really unpalatable, what they did is they mixed it with molasses. So that's pure sugar, right? They mixed it with molasses so that it would be more palatable and also it made that grain go a lot further. However, molasses is really thick, as you can imagine. It's like honey. If you put honey onto some dry oats, it'll just glob and it doesn't spread. So they actually have to use a chemical surfactant. Now, I couldn't even find the details. This was like proprietary limited. It was called KK450 or something or other, and I couldn't even get to the bottom of what the hell was in that chemical surfactant. So, but what they mixed is they mixed the... Um, the molasses with the surfactant so that it's spread really evenly. So it's almost like getting something like maple syrup and mixing it with detergent and heating it up and so that it goes through the oats and it spreads a lot further. And this was a, a done by the, the meat industry so that it basically you got more bang for your buck. It lowered the, the cost of feed and also what it did is the sugar fattened up the cattle quicker. Now, that's what people are eating. You know, that's a whole different thing. But the, the, the bottom line is, is there's no fibre in meat or fish. There's, there's, nothing in, there's nothing in that. You know, if people can focus on the fibre that feeds your, your inner garden, that keeps your foundation strong, that then initiates a healthy immune response. So instead of getting mushroom powder, go down get some button mushrooms and portobello mushrooms. If You know, people look at and they say to me, oh, the oyster mushrooms, you know, they were like $3. And I'm like, you buy a coffee every day for $4. Well, maybe not now because maybe they can't get out. But, you know, you can get different types. And that not only provides the better glucans and all the, all the, um, the goodness, but also the sensory and visual appeal that we also need for the health of the microbiome because understanding, this is where people get, they think that I'll just do one thing and it's going to fix it, but it's it's like if you want to become an Olympic athlete, it's not just about the training. It's about what you put into your body. It's about getting enough sleep. It's about not putting in alcohol or not smoking or anything. It's not, it's, it's what you put in, it's what you take out. And the same is forget about a medicinal mushroom or whatever, go and have Go to the shop and buy different types of mushrooms. Have button mushrooms today, tomorrow have oyster mushrooms, but only have a couple of 
So variety, variety is the key. So you can't just be doing ab ab workout the whole time and hoping that you're going to get great leg no, muscles. But you also can't. If you ask me, we went to a, a gym years ago. I'm a bad example of that poor guy that tried to train. That's he. I think he just. I don't. I think he left training after that. But anyway, I said I want strong ab muscles. You know, I've had three kids. I just want them to be tight. So. He goes, tell me what you do. And I'm like, oh, I do these sort of things that I raise my arms and I do side. And he said, okay, but what you're doing is you're just training one muscle. So you'll never get a six-pack. You need to do the obliques. You need to be leg raises. You need to be doing slight crunches. You need to be doing, um, you know, lifting the leg and stretching it to this side and all the rest of it. So there was, like, it was like 20. I was like, holy God, no wonder I've got no bloody abdominal muscles. There was 20 exercises to create a very strong core ab, not one sit-up. So people do sit-ups day in and day out and day in. He said what happens is they just get lazy and they don't react in the same way. So you've constantly got to be treating them in different ways. And the gut microbiome is the same. You need lots of different types of uh, fibre. You need to make them excited. They haven't had better glucans for a couple of days and then they get it and they're like, woohoo and they have it and they eat and they produce these short-chain fatty acids. And, and and what the amazing thing is, it's not just your immune response that's going to get better. Yes. It's everything else. And that's the thing. I've 10 things I want to interrupt you with, but I'll just start with the first. The first one just on that note is that when people say to me, Oh, you know, your MS probably was going to go into remission anyway. Maybe it was nothing. It was always, you're always going to be fine. You're just one of those people. You may as well just eat whatever. And I, and I always say, like, if I got MS tomorrow and I had a relapse tomorrow and I couldn't feel, I woke up and I couldn't feel my legs, as if I would want not to be able to feel my legs and also to be going to the toilet once every 10 days, be brutally constipated, be depressed, be bloated, be itching in the privates constantly with candida and to be in chronic pain from fibromyalgia at the same time. You know, if I, if I got MS back tomorrow, this changing my diet to a, a whole food variety, filled with variety plant-based diet has meant that I've got rid of all those other things, the headaches, the migraines, the fatigue, the brain fog, the constipation, like all of those things were devast- had a devastating ripple effect on my mental health, on my well-being and I wouldn't change I would never go back even if I do if I, I, I may who knows what's going to happen because stress is a factor and COVID-19's around and homeschooling my kids and <laughs> those things happen but I mean it's not on your point it is something that has so much of a ripple effect over all areas of your life you know I don't get colds and flu hardly I'm, I'm, we're never sick my kids are never sick my husband's never sick touch wood but all the other parents and families I know are constantly coming down with a cold or a flu or runny nose. Look at that flu, kids with that fluoro snot coming down their faces. And my kids have never had that. Well, and I think a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, you could have done, um, you know, you don't know, you could get it back and it might, it might not have been that and all the rest of it. But what if you, what if, I always say to people, okay, but what have you got to lose? You've got everything to gain and nothing to lose because all we're talking about, we're not talking take, take a pill or something. You know, none of my clients take a pill. I'm like, you put a pill in your mouth, I'm just going to get all wolf eyes on you. Not <laughs> a pill, you not a I die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I get like it's that you've got, the, I always say to people, you've got to eat. You have to eat. So you just eat the variety. You've got nothing to lose but everything to gain. Yes. And the one other thing I wanted to say with my two things was 
a lot of people listening, not people, probably not listening to this podcast, let's face it, but a lot of people out there will say, well, for me, while I'm panicking about COVID-19, not me personally, but the imaginary person I'm talking about, I just want to flood myself with bone broths and organ meats and all these nutrient-dense animal products like ghee and all these saturated fats because they are super nutrient rich and you're crazy not having these bone broths and these organ meats and eating more liver and kidney and pate and stuff right now because we need that and that's what we've has helped boost our well boost <laughs> promote our immune system all these years and I want to hear your response to that because I think a lot of people are thinking that those things are the way to go in moving forward with COVID-19. So bone broth does have collagen and so what we hear is about it's the, the glutamate and the collagen that sort of binds and, and repairs. So bone broth is touted as healing the gut in, uh, lining, reducing intestinal and fat, uh, inflammation, um, supporting healthy skin with the collagen, um, etc. Now Let's just dissect that for a moment, like healing the gut lining, okay? So we know through research categorically that in bone broth, the glutamate, okay, that's not what heals the gut lining. What heals the gut lining is short-chain fatty acids. They send like butyrate, um, butyric acid, acetate acid, propion acid. These things go around the body and repair the intestinal lining. Part of that is, is they sequester enzymes, as so they sequester glutamate. But glutamate, you, you, you couldn't go two feet without having a plant-based food that's got glutamate in it. So um, it's, you couldn't not have it, okay? It's highly available in plant-based foods. So the, the major component of this, of the junction, so when we say leaky gut, there's basically um, – the intestinal barrier, and it's got these tight junctions, they're like the mortar that holds those bricks together, right? And what happens is that butrate is actually increases the activity and that assembly of the tight junctions. What feeds butrate? Fibre, not a bone broth, okay? This is, this is one of those fallacies that are out there because people, again, think, I will take this one thing and that's going to fix it. Even a vegetable broth, people go, well, what about a vegetable broth? I'm like, just eat the damn vegetable, for okay. God's sake. Okay. This is just my own personal intrigue because a lot of people now are going on this carnivore diet and they're saying that there's changed their whole world and they're so much better and they've gone off vegetables and they're just eating animal meats now. How are they getting, in inverted commas, better when they're not having fibre? Okay, so what it is, is generally what it is, is what they've now removed. So when people go to these keto diets and they just have meat and, and minimal, you know, no grains and, and, and the vegetables, they make the move to actually remove a lot of those inflammatory foods to start with. So think about the load. So previous to that, they were having, they weren't just, they weren't eating just like a, a normal diet of lots of, you know, uh, beans and legumes and lots of different fibre sources and all the rest of it. They were having chips and maybe macas and doing this and eating all those things. And when they switched to the keto thing, they removed a lot of those inflammatory foods. Well, the, in the minute you move those inflammatory foods, you feel better. But the long-term result, so you feel better and you go, this is amazing. You'll lose weight because you're not getting as many carbs and so the body starts breaking down protein to supply glucose, to buy energy to the brain, to, to, to supply energy to cells for, 
for basically the uh, the Krebs cycle so that they can basically, you know, replicate and make new cells. So in the absence of glucose, it breaks down protein. So all of a sudden they're looking thinner, looking great. But what they're doing is breaking down muscle. They're not breaking down fat. Fat is the hardest one to do. It will eventually get to fat, but when we look at per uh, kilojoule, we've got, uh, I think it's uh, glucose is 17 uh, protein uh, is, oh, no, glucose is 16, protein is 17, and fat is 37 kilojoules per, like what it takes to break down. So glucose is easy to break down, protein is the next one, fat is the hardest. But what happens is that over time we do know categorically that animal produces insulin-like growth factor, okay? And what is that is it promotes the growth of cancer cells. So understanding that cancer is a slow burner, okay? It's not an overnight. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and have cancer. So too much is seen to do it. So it it promotes the growth of both normal and malignant cells in breast tissue, in, in breast tissue whereas eating plants is associated with lower circulating levels of the insulin growth factor. So the reason why this initially why people feel better is that they've they, when people start thinking about health and doing these things, they start going for a walk more often. They're, they're more aware of all the things that they should be doing. And it's the, they're in, they've decreased their inflammatory load and they've removed a lot of those processed foods because that's what the, the basis of a lot of these keto diets and things are, is removing those inflammatory processed foods. Well, that is a really, I agree with that. That's a really good thing to eliminate. But to go and put meat on there instead is what you are, is promoting a long-term. So we know that it's it's a long-term slow burner that in 5, 10, 15 years, and let's face it, people talk about how they look, but they really don't look very closely about the integrity of their skin or aches and pains or, you know, how many colds and flus they're getting. And, and like we talk about constipation, like, oh, it's good now. I'm not going, you know, I'm not, I don't suffer from diarrhea anymore. I don't have that IBS, but I go and eat three times a week now. Yes. Well, I did not, not this, not quite carnivore, but the Ducan diet years and years ago. Do you remember that? Yeah, I did the Atkins oh. diet years ago. And I honestly. went from going to the bathroom like fine, and then I did that diet because it was just before my wedding, and I was like, all right, so I'm just gonna. And I, I was plant based, but I was, I was a multiple sclerosis diet, so I was allowed seafood and egg whites, and so I was just eating seafood and egg white for like five days and I just felt disgusting on the I lost five kilos in five days I gained it all back literally in one day and you know a lot of people bang on about bone broth and they say oh that it's the gelatin that repairs the gut but let's break it down gelatin is um basically made up of amino acids about proteins right glycine proline valine lysine alanine arginine right and most of them are non-essential amino acids which means the body makes it the other ones we need to get from diet and a lot of people say oh but you can't get lysine in um plant-based foods but you can if you eat a wide range of products okay so if you have lentils and quinoa and tempeh and pumpkin seeds and black beans and pistachios you get an abundance. Valine is a, is abundant in mushrooms, whole grains, seeds, and nuts. Okay, so 
what they are, yes, they're, they're not lying. It has got gelatin, but gelatin is only a breakdown of protein amino acids, and that's abundant on a plant-based diet. Now, you know, one of the downsides to bone broths is that if you look at the production of bone broth, so what they do is they clean the carcass, they break down the bones, they skim off the fat. Now, that yields about 99.5% water with the remaining 0.5% made up of protein, fats, um, mineral and traces of carbohydrates. So it's the weakest, like it's the minutest amount. They charge so much for it, it's got the tiniest amount of it. Um, also, you talk about antibiotics and things that those animals have had and the feed that they've had. So a study was done to, to examine the release of antibiotics found in bone process, processing into test tubes and it shown that the bone acted as a carrier of the antibiotics. Okay, so again, you're getting this dose of antibiotics when you take, so a lot of them say grass-fed, hormone-free, but they don't talk about the, the, the routine use of antibiotics in the animal industry to, because animals are getting sick, sicker and sicker I know and sicker. My, my parents, they had cattle, raised cattle, grass-fed cattle, grain-fed little babies, but once they left the cow shed, which was probably, I don't know, a couple of months of age or weeks of age, they would move out to the grass. But prior to that, they were in these sheds, in these pens with hay and they would just get cold and sick. They didn't have their mums. They were by themselves. They were in these dark sheds with these hay. And this isn't, my parents aren't the only farms that do this. When they're babies, they put them in these sheds. They have lighting on all the time, fake lighting on all the time, straw all over the ground. They, they, you know, you clean that, clear out the straw because they get distant, they get diarrhea and they die, sleeping in their wet, cold pea diarrhea hay. And they're just sick constantly and dying constantly, surrounded by their dying and sick friends constantly. Horrible. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's all those things. And, and you know, they, they've even done studies on looking at the you know, amount of lead concentrations in even organic chicken broth. So this is organic because these chickens are pecking in ground that has been contaminated or over the years. So, yes, okay, they're not having any... Um, you know, non-organic food supply. They're having grass, but the ground is contaminated. And I had a thing that said that the that nutritionists and doctors need to take the risk of lead contamination into consideration when advising patients about bone broth diets. So lead, we know, causes depression and all the rest of it. But, the, you know, the fact is, like, Corinne, what I tell you over and over again, people have got to stop dieting. These are diets. These are unhealthy. Diet is... Is, is is restrictive. What you're talking about is, you know, is a wide range of things, of not cutting out these whole groups. You don't need to, I don't agree with the eating rice every day for with every meal, but, I don't, you know, and huge amounts of it, but I don't also agree with having, you know, meat at every meal. I don't agree with everything all the time in huge amounts. Can I ask you, just because I, I imagine that if I'm thinking this, other people will be thinking this, it can feel really overwhelming when you're, cause I'm someone, for instance, who I just love a bowl of porridge and I like a bowl of porridge with banana and blueberries and that just makes me happy. Uh, and when you and especially now that I've got the kids at home all the time, and I'm a, you know, I'm a mum and I'm homeschooling, yeah. The thought of making what feels like 
a lot of choices. Like adding in can feel overwhelming when you're thinking, well, she's saying to get this, I need to, to get lysothene, was it? You have to have pistachios and this and that and la, la, la. And that seems really hard and really expensive. It seems expensive and it seems overwhelming to have make all these different decisions when I can just cook. I do my oats in the morning and then do some sourdough with hummus and salad for lunch and then do. But what you're saying is that my microbiome are like, look, I'm sick of salad and hummus on sourdough and I'm sick of your oats and blueberries and bananas. You need to do other things. But when your brain feels like it's shut down from stress. Sure. From this experience, like what's a, what's, is there, is there a way to kind of simplify it for people who are thinking this all seems too much? I guess your program is the way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My program is the way, yeah. definitely. Look, I am actually, you know, uh, about to put out um, uh, some recipe books, which I think are going to be really useful for people to access because, you know, me, I'm about the variations. I'm about, you know, like it's like my oatmeal medley recipe you look at me you go well that's just oatmeal but then I've got like 12 15 variations so what it really is about is thinking about the variation so I know in the winter months you know you you know my husband's addicted to porridge in the winter months even though I make him eat different things but if I if I he wakes up first and he, he's got porridge in his hand before I can get anywhere near it and so I just say to them is that I know that that makes you happy with the blueberries and looking at the same thing every day, but try to find the happiness in just adding something else, okay? And especially seasonal fruits, okay? So one day, so, you know, go down to the markets, get lots of, you know, different fruit, get an apple, get a kiwi, get whatever is, you know, if it's cherry season or wherever wherever you are, and make that bowl of porridge or overnight oats if you want to have something cool because you're in, you know, the northern hemisphere and it's heading into, you know, spring and summer. And every day go, all right, what can I add that's different from yesterday? Almost sort of challenge yourself. You've got it in your house. You've got an apple. You've got a banana. You've got a blueberry. Challenge yourself to add something different. I think that one thing that just came to me just then was from, I think, your first episode when you told me that, the RDI, that I didn't have to get every single thing in that day, that we have a bigger window. Because I think for many people listening, they're going to be like, oh, gosh, but, you know, how can I fit all this into one day? People that, yeah, people that macro and micronutrient count, the body doesn't see it in a 24-hour cycle. It doesn't set it to zero. It's not like the petrol tank that you go, and then you clear it at zero for the next customer, zero and zero and zero. It's the body recycles uh, proteins, fats, essentially over, I mean, proteins is a minimum of 14 days it recycles it. Uh, sodium, calcium, uh, iron, it's always, it's constantly moving and sequestered from different areas. Oh, we've got too much here. You can have this, you can have that. So you don't need to get macro, micronutrients daily. So take, take away. And anyway, you know, why are people worried about this? I mean, this is my job, obviously, you know, as nutritional medicine practitioner this is my role so I have to know these things because they made me learn it but the average person doesn't need to know it my nana lived till 94 she didn't know what a bloody protein was or an essential fatty acid or what her potassium intake was she didn't know anything but she was ridiculously healthy Italian Mediterranean diet huge range she was predominantly plant-based and this is the another joke that we we forget, we go, oh, but the Mediterranean diet. Yeah, well, have a look at the Mediterranean diet. They are predominantly plant-based. Have a look at the Japanese diet. They are predominantly plant-based. 
People think I lived in Japan for 15 years. I know. I ate plants every single day and had fish every so often. So you don't have to worry about getting it all at once, but you can look at going, okay, I'm going to buy hemp seeds or I'm going to buy chia seeds, I'm going to buy flax seeds or whatever, and I'm just going to put a sprinkling of that onto my porridge. You don't have to get expensive. If if, if hemp seeds look too expensive, don't have them or ask your friends and say, hey, do you want to go, you know, fifths or sixths in a bag of hemp seeds? I see they're like, you know, they're four, I mean, our local place, but we sell them per kilo, so it's actually good. You can scoop it out if you're at one of those, you know, near those bulk buy. But if you aren't, you can say to your friends, hey, look, I really want to get this. You know, you're on Facebook, say to your friends, I can get this and we can divide it five ways and it's only going to cost us five bucks each. So things don't have to be expensive if you think outside the box, but it's just about looking at your breakfast and going, it's almost like you wouldn't wear the same outfit every day to work. You just wouldn't do it. You would feel drab. It would look drab. And people would go, oh, God, shit, did she wash that? I mean, like, that's mm. just, like, holier than. Unless you're, st- well, Steve Jobs used to. <laughs> yeah, Steve Jobs used to. I think he had a thousand, it's like Star Trek people. I think they had thousands of different outfits. But what it is is look at the same thing and going, okay, challenge yourself to mix it up. Challenge yourself, oh, I'm always buying the iceberg lettuce. No, hell, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to buy a Cos Romaine lettuce or I'm going to buy. So just try and when you go to the shops, when you go for this, go for that. Just make that change. doesn't mean that you have to go without the, that, you you know, you love your bananas. Go, right, I'm going to change. It's like exercise, you know. I've given myself a challenge. I started last year when I was 56 to do sit-ups every day and I started really slowly with like oh I only actually did two on the first day because I was all like puffed out and now I'm up to a hundred and that was from October last year and different ones I still haven't got abs of steel but still but I challenged myself to do a little again don't try to be an Olympic Olympic runner start slow which means have a look at your breakfast and go what could I put on there differently? If I'm having muesli from a shop, could I top it today with, could I use a plant-based milk on it instead? What if you're usually having white bread with Vegemite? <laughs> uh, I've got a really good recipe coming out for uh, a, a beautiful uh, black tahini Vegemite. Oh, beautiful. Now, I have to interrupt you because we're going we're gonna to go. Ranjit, we have the kids at home, so he's like, Corinne, don't make it long because the kids are so annoying when he's editing. So I want to just cover two last things. One would be if you just had to simplify for people what they can do to protect themselves and right now and I, I guess reducing stress however they can, like with meditation or a bath or whatever. Your tips for right now, just really simple, really quickly, and where people can work with you. Okay. So definitely follow the guidelines, what they're saying now. So this great amount of hand washing and social isolation and distancing and all the rest is one of the key things. That, and that's the same for any flu or any disease. If someone's got chicken pox, you don't touch them and not, you know, wash your hands or you don't go near them. So that's like any disease. So those main, those main points are really important. What was the second one that you asked me? So just, just ways that they can help themselves. It's just some simple things they can help themselves with. Okay. So in reducing stress, 
Okay, what it is is I'm look, I'm not a great believer in meditating and sitting there and all the rest of it. It's about finding something that you love because the management of stress is about taking away from the things that are going and going crazy and finding something you love. Now that means curling up on the couch with a book or watching a, a black and white movie or being in the garden, pulling the weeds or whatever. What it is is the action of mindfulness is being in that moment. So you know, men have it wide because they're not multitaskers. Women don't have it wide because we're multitaskers. And so that isn't being mindful, trying to cook the dinner by and doing the load of washing and, you know, uh, rubbing the cat, uh, the dog's belly with your foot is not a good idea. If you're going to cook, be in the moment and just cook. Forget about adding lots of things. When you're going from a walk, you know, take out the headphones and just be in the moment. So the management of stress is, is about being quietening the mind not stopping it but quietening it okay so for the, for gut health in particular stress management what else is what, is what else what else do they need to install to get their microbiome healthy apart from stress management and fiber is the other one is sleep so what we know about the sleep you know those vacuum cleaners that you set you know those robo things that you set and they clean the whole house so you could go to bed at night whack that thing on come up in the morning and it's clean the whole area so your body does the same thing at night through autophagy. It basically cleans everything up. So sleep is really important. So, you know, get to bed earlier, stop watching the news, stop putting your face in a phone and all the rest of it. And tr- I know, I know. Look, I'm just <laughs> I just pulled it. I go like, But I've done things like I put it on the other side of the room. I put my phone on the other side of the room. Now, I do go over and grab it sometimes, but I used to have it on my side table and every second I was, I'll pick it up, look at this, scroll this, whatever. Now I put it on the other side of the room, it's lessened the times because I think, oh, stuff, I can't be bothered getting out, it's too cold, whatever. So I look at it and think, oh, well, that can wait. So what you're trying to do is lessen the amount of those things. Again, we're not trying to be Olympic Olympians. We're trying to do bit by bit. So what I'm telling your listeners is, Don't try and do everything at once and don't worry if you fail. If you go and grab your phone and then you leave it on your bedside table, well, what did you gain that night? You had your phone less on the bedside table by maybe an hour? That's a great start because we need that sleep to clean up the mess. So, again, with the food, with the stress, with the thing, that's the way to do it. If people want to work with me or they're not sure, they like I sound scary, they can go to my website Kid on complimentary call. I've got some exciting new things coming out soon, but certainly I can work with people one-on-one in formulating something especially designed for them. Is that nataliewoodman.com? Yes, it is nataliewoodman.com. So everyone, check out nataliewoodman.com. I have done your program twice, well, once, once really in depth and then once by myself with you, but not. In the Facebook group, and I highly recommend it. The food is, I think the best thing about your program is the food. And honestly, you are an amazing cook as well. I think a lot of programs that you do, the food's really bland and not you do, Natalie, but I mean, people do like myself. You join a recipe program or whatever, a weight loss program or a fitness program at the gym and they have meals planned and the meals are so bland and boring, but you are so good at incorporating delicious flavors and making them 
you know, food that you want to eat. And even my husband, our family ate them when I was doing it. And they were just like, this is amazing food. So I highly recommend. It's so delicious and rainbow and vibrant. And you just look forward to it every day. And the thing is, it's about how to. So, you know, people think about me as their coach, their trainer, their Olympic trainer. If you want to get, if you want to be, you know, uh, running for the state or the nationals or the Olympics or however, how far that you want to go, my job is to help them get there through a the various amounts of things that impact the gut microbiome. So we're not just talking about food but lifestyle. And, again, very slowly, as you know, with working with me, we don't go, right, well, that's it. I want to, you know, get down and run a marathon now. We do it in very bite-sized bits. So that, And that's the way that we make long-term change. And also we don't want to overwhelm the biome. So people make the mistake, just like we were talking just in closing, about boosting we don't want to because pathogenic bacteria get very good at creating biofilms and going underground and then the minute that you stop, they come up with a vengeance and get worse. And that's why people do these diets and then I felt great and then six months later they're twice as big or they're twice as bad or they've got more health issues. And the reason is, is that pathogenic bacteria are very, very clever and they can hunker, bunker down for months and months. They're like the they're like the bad guy in Cape Fear. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, yeah they're underneath yeah. The, the underside of the car. Bloody hell, they can just keep going. So there's you know, there's a there's a different science in the way that we create a very fully functioning, diverse and rich microbiome. But there's certainly tips that your uh, listeners can use right now about just a little at a time and don't and don't beat yourself up when you don't because you want to go whole hog and you know get things sorted yeah she totally is if you want to get your family yourself and your family really healthy and strong internally and heal get that get all those walls patched up in your micro intestine in your te- intestinal life Get all that mortar all all patched up. Um, up. Natalie is a woman to go see. And for me, I know our family have learnt so much from working with you and I highly recommend you always. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Natalie, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you are all safe wherever you are. And once again, I'm just going to mention to check out Lifeline if you're in Australia on 131114. If you need support for your mental health or you're struggling, we have also Beyond Blue, the organisation here, which you can Google and get the number for. I think I may have put the number in the show notes as well. So head to the show notes just to see if that number is there. But if you need support, you know, remember to reach out to your family, to your friends, to mention to your partner that you're anxious or that you're feeling afraid or that you're feeling overwhelmed or I'm saying partner, I mean anyone who's around you, hug your dog or your cat, do the things that help you to calm down. As Natalie said, you know, this is a time of stress and our gut microbiomes are affected, are are impacted by our stress levels as well. And so if you can find ways to unwind, whether that's Netflix or Stan or whether that's a good book, whether that's a bath, whether that's turning off your news and shutting down your phones for a while, all those things, give them all a try and see which ones work for you. Uh, If it's yoga, if it's walking, if it's time in nature, um, 
trying whatever you can to reduce those stress levels. As I said, mentioned last week, if it's having a look at your finances or getting someone to help you look at your finances and see where you can cut costs or make things more simple and straightforward, whether it's checking in with a doctor or a mental health, or a mental health practitioner, if you can afford to get some support from a psychologist or a counsellor in your area or if you can access bulk build support, getting a mental health care plan. We have options of getting discounted support or bulk build support here in Australia with a mental health care plan which you can access through your GP. We also have Centrelink here which I found very, very hopeless and tedious but I mean... <sighs> They're there. <laughs> They're there. I wish that they were a lot better, but they are there that definitely you can access, you can go to and start the process of trying to get some money from our government. But yeah, this is the time for us all to reach out and support one another. So please don't be ashamed to reach out to your loved ones, your family and friends if you need support or if you're struggling at the moment. We're all here for one another and community is what's going to get us through this. So I love you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful week until next week when I speak to you again. And if you'd like to share this episode with your family and friends, just click the share button. Uh, Natalie is incredible. So I'm certain that people will benefit from hearing what she's had to say in this episode. And also don't forget to head to www.nataliewoodman.com. The link is in the show notes and go and get some coaching from Natalie if you can afford or sign up to be reminded of when her beautiful, beautiful cookbooks are going to be ready so that you can make all of her recipes while you're in isolation because they're so delicious. And otherwise, I will see you all next week. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier day